following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves if we can't lead with 45 minutes of football. <laughs> we got to find some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we'll make do. All right. I, I certainly have no problem. No, I know you were, <laughs> you were ready for, you were ready for the season yeah. to be done a while ago. Yeah, my bears, uh, my bears gear has been hanging up for three months. <laughs> this is the intentional foul. Josh and Dan back with you for another week. We got a few uh, episodes till we hit a hundred, but we are uh, still going strong and I, I took last summer off, so we're going to have to figure out how we're going to do this. But if the uh, Brewers news during the season is anything like the uh, off season, we'll have some things to uh, complain about, it seems. We'll get to uh, some Brewers talk uh, in the latter portion of the podcast. Um, thank you for downloading, subscribing. If you do, if you don't, please do and tell your friends. So, on this edition, we're going to cover a little bit of the NFL, and we got one game left to go. Uh, College Hoops, Badgers are going to play tonight at Iowa in an interesting personnel move that just came out um, that I just read about right before I left um, on the way to come over here to Studio B. Marquette, the NBA, the Bucks return from Paris. We'll do some Major League Baseball, and then the big story that has dominated the news cycle for the last... 24 to 48 hours is the death of Kobe Bryant and eight other people, including one of his daughters, aboard the helicopter outside Los Angeles. And then we'll touch a little bit on something that we saw on Saturday over at uh, the Craig Verona yes. girls game. Yeah, we were we were immersed in that. Yes, we were very mm-hmm. much. So we'll we'll get some thoughts on that, but. Let's uh, let's start with the one final NFL game, and that is a Super Bowl preview of the Chiefs and the 49ers. What do you got? Best well, player in the game, I would imagine, on Kansas City. Yes, at yes. this point, and you've got a, a brutal. I'm trying to think of the adjective that best fits the 49ers, but I can't come up with anything right now. But they are a very brutish physical team, and I think. I, I'm hoping it's going to be a good game. Well, it's certainly a contrast of styles. Um, you know, I was talking, I was talking to a buddy yesterday about the game a little bit, and um, I think the spread right now is a point and a half. That and it opened at a point and then went to a point and a half. Yeah, um, he was telling me he 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 thinks it's a it's a walkover for the Chiefs. He's willing to put a he's he's talking about putting a full week's pay wow. on, the, on the game. Okay. Which I, I was like, really? I'm like, you're that confident? And he's like, I just don't think the 49ers are that good. And I said, you know, I, I was kind of on that train for a long time too. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of this 49er team. I, I'm not sure. I think we all thought the NFC was really good. I'm not sure it was. I, I, I and I'm not sure the AFC was any better. I think there might have just only been three or four good teams this year. You were saying it during the season a lot that you said that this this had this there's really been no dominant. Well, I mean, look team. at Seattle. Like Seattle is like a yard away in that 49er game mm-hmm. of getting the number 1 seed 
that team was not good when the Packers beat them. No. I mean, they had nothing left in the tank. Right. And so I, I, I'm not sure if the 49ers are just the best of a bunch of okay teams. I don't know. I mean, that defense is pretty special looking. Mm-hmm. I think offensively, the 49ers are very mediocre. Um, I kind of get the feeling that if they're going to win, if the 49ers are going to win, I kind of feel like you're going to have to see Jimmy Garoppolo play his best game of his career because I have a hard time believing that that the Chiefs aren't going to get at least 24, 27 points um, just because they're so explosive and they're rolling right now. Um, you're certainly not going to be able to throw the ball eight times in the Super Bowl and win like you did in the NFC Championship. You'd I mean, hope not. I, I would be. I just don't think you can do it because I think the Chiefs are going to score. You know, the Packers just couldn't score. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining Super Bowls we've had. Uh, at least matchup-wise, it's a little more exciting. I mean, I guess anything is is exciting when it doesn't start with the words New England. You know what I mean? It's just like that That kind of – and you saw it the last couple of years in the NBA too where it's like, ah, Golden State again – where it kind of just gets to the point where it's like, there's nothing to talk about. We already know who these guys are and what they're going to do. Eh. Or at least this year, it's it's something fresh. I think that's why I'm probably, and I wouldn't use the word excited. It's I'm not excited for the Super Bowl anymore because I just it doesn't matter to me if my team's in it. I'll watch it because it's football, and I will be it's a in- championship right. game. Yeah, for I'll, sure. I'll, I'll I'll be interested. Yeah. I have no rooting interest, but I am curious to see how it happens. And for once. Because the Patriots have just been in it for so long, that even has caused me to not care even more. I know. Now it's kind of this renewed sense of interest where, oh, okay, this is something fresh. There's a team that hasn't been here in 50 years. Here's a team that used to have some glory days, and... Yeah, they they don't look. It's a top five franchise in the league. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. But now I actually have more of an interest in the game than the commercials. Whereas being in the media, it's like, we got to talk about these commercials tomorrow. I have to pay attention. I'm kind of curious to see the creativity. I I don't care about the game because the Patriots are in it. Speaking of commercials, did you see that the uh, planners came out? They were going to do, they they had this whole campaign about the death of Mr. Peanut. Scrapped it because of the Kobe thing. (sighs) Yeah, not, not in great taste. Well, I mean, they had the campaign planned. Then this happened, and now you have to switch. I mean, I not that I disagree, yeah. but it's kind of weird. All right, but yeah, well. I mean, I think the I think having Mahomes in the game kind of puts it on another level, at least for me, because it's like, okay, well, uh, it it reminds me a little bit of Rogers in 2010, where it's like, okay, this is supposed to be the next guy, right? So this might be the first step in this, you know, storied championship Super Bowl ring winning career. Sure. Um it, it it's it'll be kind of cool to see how he handles that. I mean, you know, conference championship games at home are one thing, playing in a Super Bowl is another. Um, you know, and and this Chiefs team was very inexperienced. Um I think the 49ers are relatively inexperienced as well, but uh, yeah, it should be a fun game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I wish, you know, like every other Super Bowl of my life, I wish it started about two hours earlier. Okay, here's but, the, here's the question that has been put to a petition, and we talked about it actually for the last week or two. Would you rather have it on a Saturday night? Uh, I mean, 
Or you just want it earlier? I just want it earlier. Okay. I, if that game started at 3.30 instead sure. of 5.30, I just think that'd make a world of difference. Okay. Um, because, I mean, I've I've had Super Bowl parties and been at Super Bowl parties, and I rarely see the end because I'm smashed. <laughs> You know, so like I would just much rather that it started at three o'clock. Isn't that a better reason to have it on Saturday, though? Because then people can know. stay as late as they want on Sunday, get as wrecked as they want. Sure. And then have a full day to recover. I but, mean, what do you do on Sunday anyway? I don't know. The NFL plays on Sundays. I know. Except in the playoffs. You know, then they play on Saturdays. Well, only because they kind of have In the to. last couple of weeks of the season, they play on Saturdays, yeah, too. But the Super Bowl, I'm I'm fine with it being on a Sunday. I just right. don't know why you have to start it at five thirty. I understand. I mean, and and, you and know, on the East Coast, six thirty. It's right. East Coast. I mean, yep. that's and that's a five hour game. I mean, you know, most people aren't staying up till midnight or eleven no. thirty to watch that. I mean, I know you guys. I mean, you're damn near getting up for work when the game's getting over. <laughs> right. You know, I don't see and and usually the commercial entertainment value drops off in the second half, and that's probably when I lose steam. It's like, I don't watch the halftime performance because I don't care. It doesn't matter no. who, who you schedule. I think the last one I watched was Aerosmith with Britney Spears. Yeah, and I don't know what year that was. I, I mean, they just have gotten progressively worse. And it, it's just, it gets to be the, it, that's that's one of those things where it's like, what more can you do? No. You know, like, if you got to have music at halftime, Let's not try to move the world out onto the field. And it prolongs the it, game. It does. Can we just, just just put them out there with a freaking stage and a microphone and let these people do what they do, sing their songs, dance their dance, and then get the hell out of there? I, I don't know why, like, half of the freaking stands need to go out there with their glow sticks That's right. and shit. And it's like, mm-hmm. come on. Nope. All right. Um, when is Media Day? Is that tonight? I thought it was on Tuesdays. It's tomorrow. Have, have, okay. they, have they changed I, it? I'm not sure. Because wasn't it wasn't it usually like Wednesdays, and then they moved it up in the week a couple? I don't. I don't know. I don't follow. I mean, I it's know one of the worst days in sports. <laughs> yes, it's because, terrible because every quote unquote journalist or blogger shows up. They wear dumbass costumes yeah. so they can get noticed. They ask stupid questions that aren't related to anything well, we can just all, to get attention. Everybody can thank downtown Julie Brown and MTV for that because that shit started, I believe, with like the uh, the Cowboys in the 90s, and, and it's kind of been that way ever since. But, yeah, it just, you know, occasionally you get a cool moment where, mm-hmm. like, the little kid asking Brady a couple years ago who his hero was and, Brady starts talking about his dad, and he gets choked up. Like right. th- that's cool, but like you know, some some jack wagon. You know, you get cousin Sal or yes. or Guillermo off the Kimmel show, and they're trying to they're trying to trick people into thinking that that they're the punter for the. It's like okay, the, it's, you know? it was apparently scheduled for today. Oh, okay, and I didn't even know. Yeah, because I think now they've moved it from the daytime to late afternoon and evening, I think, but I'm not sure. I follow a bunch of people, um, some radio people from previous companies and that have moved on to other companies, whatever, and they're posting pictures of Radio Row. It's so funny because I listen to people on shows, and this is supposed to be the biggest event in sports. It's the Super Bowl. And yet most of them, when they talk about Radio Row, they've been doing it forever, and all they do is piss and moan that they got to go back. (laughs) And spend a week of doing shows at this place, cramped with curtains between booths, flagging down every C-list, you know, former celebrity, player, whoever you can get to just come over and offer anything that's sort of content that's outside the norm of your of your regular show. Where it's like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, 
Maybe after 20 years of going, I'd get bored, but I would hope I wouldn't be that spoiled that I would complain about going to the Super Bowl site right. for the week and maybe even get a ticket. Right. That's really, as a, as a media member who's just in a small piddly market in southern Wisconsin, that's kind of disappointing to me. Sure. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I would almost have to put it back on the host and be like, well, you guys got to come up with something a little more creative then. Right. I mean, yeah, if you're just going to go sit there and do your normal show and just grab people that are walking by, then, yeah, I, I understand. That could get a little ho-hum if you've right. done it 20, 25 times. But, you know, I mean, I watch guys like, uh, you know, Dan Patrick goes down every year. Cowherd was down there. Um, you know, some of the other Fox shows were mm-hmm. down there. Like, you know... Find a way to mix it up. Try to get something fun in there. But, um, I mean, obviously nothing big happened at Media Day. No. With I mean, Richard Sherman, I mean, his mouth is constantly flapping about something stupid. And you brought up the fact in last week's podcast that somebody's going to do something stupid in between. We've gone, we've gone a week, mm-hmm. but now everybody's going to be down there. Yeah. Everybody is down there. So now you've got all the players and you've still got five, six days to the game. Nobody's done anything stupid yet. You still holding to that? Yeah, well, I think somebody will okay. do something. I All mean, right. there's always going to be, uh, I can't remember his name, um, Stanley something on the Bengals who's doing blow the night before. <laughs> there's always going to be a Eugene Robinson, Robinson getting a hooker. Yeah. There's always going to be a Barrett Robbins who just goes to Tijuana on a whim. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's football, man. These These guys are... Whatever the opposite of a brain surgeon is, that's what most of these guys are. So, <laughs> okay. you know. All right. Um, as far as the game, I mean, I'd like to take the 49ers. I'd love to see if if they could just run the ball down Kansas City's throat, but you bring up a good point. Chiefs can score, and they can score quick, and that does not do well for a team that is predicated on a running game because you can't have these long drives and then, you know, put your defense back, you know, offense back out or whatever if it takes Kansas City half that time to score all the time. You can win time of possession. You could very easily lose the game. Well, and the thing with the Chiefs, and I was thinking about it uh, in the, uh, I think it was the Texans game, Maybe it was the AFC Championship, one of them. But, like, they remind me a lot of the 2011 Packers where it's like they almost score too fast. Right. Because their defense is on – if you're playing the 49ers and they have these nine-minute drives and the defense is gas and they give up a touchdown, and then they get the Chiefs get the ball back and they score in a minute and a half. And the defense has got to go right back out That's not good. No. Because your defense is like, shit. Right. Give you us know, a break like, here. Can, like, congrats. Can, hey, Andy, can you run the ball a few times so we can catch our breath? Right. But I don't know. Um, I got Chiefs by three. Okay. 30-27. Um, they're, you know, the 49ers are going to be able to score some points on that defense. Uh, but I, I just, I just, I got to go with the team that's got the best player at the most important spot. And uh, I think it's, I think it's the passing of the torch a little bit to, right. to Mahomes right now. I'll take Kansas City by six. Okay. That's, that's where I got. All right. All right, that is um, going to be our football discussion pretty much uh, for today. We'll talk more um, next week and kind of wrap the season, look to, to the off season, and, and talk about the Super Bowl. Your draft uh, nerdness. A little bit. Oh, can't wait. Number 30. Let's go. Let's plan it out. Let's make sure we pass on somebody we could have had. And mm, can't wait till they get a, somebody that Can't sucks. wait till they pick somebody I've never heard of. I'm sure that's Same with the Bears. Quite a bit. Please, let's, let's get Kevin White part two. <laughs> 
Badgers play tonight. Um, they're in Iowa City. I was surprised, one, that the Hawkeyes have lost two starters, and they're nationally ranked, but you and I have talked about the top 25, but they have a pretty good record. Wisconsin's won eight out of the last ten against Iowa, and they've won four out of the last five at Carver-Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. That surprises me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, somebody said to me this morning, uh, oh, Badgers play at Iowa tonight, they're going to lose, and I'm like, and I didn't know any of those numbers, but I was just thinking back in my memory, like, <sighs> Badgers always seem to handle Iowa. For whatever reason, they have the last few years, it just seems like they've handled them. And it's inexplicable to me. I don't know. Yeah, get it. I don't know. Uh, you know, I... Carver Hawkeye always seems like it should be a difficult mm-hmm. place to play, but it hasn't been uh, recently for for Bucky. Um, I think this is a pretty big game for the Badgers. Um, Twelve and eight, five and four in the league. Um, this is they have a tough week this week. Um, last week, you know they they beat a pretty crappy Nebraska team. Yes. Um, you know, and, and the Badgers, once again at home, they shot the ball quite well. Then they went on the road to Purdue and did what they typically do on the road, and I think they were like 0 for 12 from 3 to start the game. Yeah, and I know. That was Purdue was like start. 7 for 10. Yeah. That's 21 points. I mean, that's a lot to overcome. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny, and you and I talked about this the other day when we were uh, before calling that girls game. Um you know the Badgers get down big early. They're down twenty in the in the first half, early second half, because they just stand out there and keep shooting threes. And then in the second half, they make a run, and I think they got it down to like ten or eleven at one point. And it was because they started going to the basket, started getting some fouls. The game slowed down a little bit and allowed them to to slow the tempo and catch their breath. Now Purdue again, they got hot. They hit a couple threes in a row, and and it ended up being a twenty point. Uh, margin but these teams that just want to stand out and shoot threes it drives me nuts especially at these lower levels because you you just don't have the consistency you know if you're a 48 percent three-point shooter in college chances are you're not there anymore well and you put in the notes live by the three die by the three i was watching a little bit of the nebraska game not much but the time that i saw i don't think you saw any of the nebraska players defensively outside the lane they were maybe at the top of the key-ish, but then everybody was basically on the outside of the lane, and they wouldn't let anybody inside, like, go ahead. Yeah. We want you to try I mean, we talk about it in these high school games. Yep. If you're going to beat us, you're going to make it from out there. Yeah. And for how hot and cold the Badgers seem to be, they just made them right. that day, Correct. and it was at home. Yes. Now they go on the road, and they can't do it. And I, I'll be interested to see if Iowa kind of uses that same blueprint. Well, you got a little news you said. Well, yeah, um, I was reading, and uh, Jeff Patrikas had said that Kobe King is not making the trip. He's attending to a personal matter. He's not ill. And then there was some dialogue between him and some other people on Twitter, and Patrikas basically didn't shoot down the fact that King was going to leave the program or enter the transfer portal or, or try and you know go somewhere else, and he used the word yet. He's not off the team yet. And then he said something to the fact that you're not making it seem like he's still going to be on the team. He goes, no, I'm not. I'm just saying it's premature premature to say that right now. And so I was just wondering because there was another headline that I read as I was scrolling around. Somebody had reported, and I don't know who the source is or anything like that, that King is unhappy with the direction of the team and that now he's good buddies with... The, the Davis brothers, 
from oh, right, right. from lacrosse, and they're supposed to be coming in next year, and they were worried about how that's going to affect the incoming recruits. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I'll be interested to see where this goes, but I, I had said, me interpreting that, don't be shocked if he's not on the team by the end of the season or at the beginning of next season, and who knows about about Davis. But yeah. you you've talked about Kobe King before and you just you haven't seen a whole lot of improvement in the last 2 years. No, extreme inconsistency from him. Played 26 27 minutes the other night. He had no points. 27 minutes from your best athlete on the team and he and not only did he have no points, he only took 5 shots. Um because he was supposed to be a, one of the three really good recruits that came in at the time and really was supposed to boost that program, and you really haven't gotten much no, from No, you know, he, and he had the knee the injury. injury. I, I get right. that. But this is now, you're, you're two years removed from that injury. You're you're 21 years old or, or almost 21. It's your third year in the program. Um, you, should, you should have shown significant improvement from last year, and he has not. Um, I think at this point, in the year, I don't think it would. I mean, you might as well play the year out because right. I, I don't think it does you any good to leave now. The semester's already started. Um, yeah, it, it's it's certainly it certainly uh, is eyebrow raising if if he were to leave the program. Um, I would be surprised if in the short term it affected anything with the Davis kids from lacrosse, um, because once you sign those letters of intent, it's very very difficult to get out of them. Right. Um, you really, it has to, I think, be a mutual thing between you and the school and, um, you know, I mean, the Badgers might be willing to let that go, but who who knows, but it's just a, it's a, it's certainly a red flag because I think one of the things that guard has been able to hang his hat on when he's taken a lot of grief for their, uh, lack of success in the eyes of the boosters, because, you know, boosters, not and this is unique to Madison. No. They're all delusional. They all think they should be winning thirty games a year. Best be, be one of the best teams. I, I think one of the things that guard's been able to hang his hat on is a couple of these recruiting classes, and especially like the one he's got coming in this year. That's that's a uh, very highly touted. Um, but if if you're gonna have guys leaving the program, you know they had Strickland left the program last year. Mm-hmm. I think they had somebody else leave the year before. So. Um, it's not that uncommon anymore in in college sports. It, you know, when we were kids, if you had a, a guy transfer, that was pretty rare. Now it seems like almost every team in the country's got a transfer either coming in or going out at some point, whether it's football or basketball. So, I, you know, I don't know what to make of it. We'll see, I guess, what happens. But, um, you know, look, I and... I was in a little bit of this situation at Whitewater at a couple different points. You know, Kobe King's looking over his shoulder at Tyler Wall going, hmm, right, this kid's good. He does a lot of things that I don't do and maybe don't want to do, and they really like him. Eh, you know? So sometimes it's not, it's not as much about maybe guard or the necessarily the program, but it's like, look, if I'm if I'm going to be going into my last two years and I think I'm a professional player, whether that's in the NBA or wherever, right. I think I'm a professional. I'm not sure I want to be splitting time and touches with this kid who they are looking at as the future of the program. 
I don't know. Just a thought. I mm-hmm. could be wrong, no, but you never that's know. Accurate. All right, so Badgers and Hawkeyes tonight. Did you see that that record at Purdue? I I heard it for the first time from Wargle, who, who I just texted, and I asked him, "What are you hearing about Kobe King?" And he said he's working on it. So I don't I don't have any in other inside information, but he dropped that statistic on us um, when we talked to him on the air. I knew it was last, bad, but last that's... Friday he said four and forty, and Begs and I just looked at each other like. What did he that's say? Like, that's almost as bad as the Clemson North Carolina one that got broke this year. They hadn't they had never won in the at North Carolina. They were like sixty eight and zero oh and sixty eight or oh something. God, yeah, I thought maybe it would be double digits, like you know ten, twelve, and thirty or yeah, something like yeah. that. But four, four, yeah, that's not good. No, all right, uh, switch to Marquette. Um, they knocked off St. John's. And then they lost at Butler. They had a late lead. I, I tuned in briefly, and then I missed uh, all of overtime, and you kind of caught me up on it. Um, they, they lost in OT to a, a pretty good Bulldog team, but a, one that they probably should have had. Yeah, an unfortunate mistake from Wojo late in the game there. In a, in a tie game, after a Marquette basket, he instructed his players to foul. Uh, he thought it was they were up to, or he thought that they were down to, they were actually tied. Um you know, Marquette ended up taking it into overtime, but lost in overtime. But yeah, it was one that they were leading a good portion of that game. Um, I'm not shocked that they lost. Butler was coming off two losses. It was they. It was kind of a must win at the time for them. But uh, that would have been a nice one to steal on the road for Marquette for sure. Well, and now they're four and four in the conference, and they they started out. You know, they climbed back to five. They literally losing record now. They're back to 500. So I mean, this has kind of been uh, an up and down start for them. Um, and they got they're at Xavier, which is traditionally difficult. They um, whipped them pretty good the first home. time, yeah. but that that doesn't mean really anything. And then you got at home on Saturday against DePaul, and who always plays Marquette tough. They just do. And well, they they beat uh, they beat somebody. They beat somebody. I think they beat Butler. I think they beat the hell out of Butler like a week ago or something. So they're capable. I mean, they've got some players. Um, and, and, yeah, that Marquette-DePaul rivalry, I mean, that's an old one. That's like a 100-year-old rivalry mm-hmm. that goes back. And, and yeah, for whatever reason, DePaul always plays Marquette really tough. What do you make of Ed Morrow leaving the team? Because I saw that, and I well, know he wasn't getting that many minutes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, this is a kid that he he transferred in from Nebraska, so this isn't unprecedented for him. Um, yeah, his minutes, once uh, Marquette got a grad transfer in from Utah, this Jace Johnson kid who's a seven-footer, once, uh, I think he had like an early season knee injury or something, so they brought him along slow. Once he kind of got into the flow, um, he started cutting into Morrow's minutes, and, you know, uh, again, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm almost done with school. Um, I'm just not in it. I'm not playing I'm just gonna move on. Um, not not a big loss for Marquette in terms of production. Hurts your depth a little bit, um, but yeah. I, I, other than that, I'm not I'm not real sure. Um, but this Marquette team, I, them and the Badgers are just very very carbon copies of each other. I think I think they're both tournament teams. I think they're both going to finish around 500 in their league, which is going to be good enough to get them in. Lenardi had them as uh, both as six seeds. Uh, as of the 24th, which would have been Friday. I didn't see the updated one this afternoon. But, you know, that's six to eight range they're, they're going to be in. Um, you know, and, and Marquette, you know, 
in the in the Butler game, Marcus Howard goes like four for nineteen from three. It's no different than the Badgers, man. If you're gonna, if you're, you know, and and with Howard, he's gonna shoot step back off the dribble, leaning back, contested twenty five footers. You're gonna have nights where you go four for twenty. It's just a very very difficult shot. You're gonna have those nights when he's gonna have a game yet this year where he probably gets fifty. But you have these four for twenty nights, and nobody else can pick the slack up because you're just chucking. Makes it tough. As a Marquette fan, is there a level of appreciation that you have for him on the team and what he does for you, or are you about ready to move on? Because I saw, you know, some of those rougher statistics in games. I see people that are Howard supporters and defenders and say that a lot of people that are fans of the Golden Eagles don't really appreciate or they're going to look back on this and wish they had appreciated it more, the caliber of a player uh, that Howard was being on the team for so long, and they're going to miss having that around. Are, are, are you in that, well, as, as Homer would say, are you in that club? I'm kind of in the middle. I mean, and me and my dad have been going back and forth on this the last week and a half. Um I do appreciate him as he's an excellent individual uh, college scorer. I mean, guys like this just don't come around that often. At the same time, I just don't think you can consistently win playing this way. Um, again, you can have a night where he get, he gets you 45 on the road and you win. That'll happen. Um, but, you know, to, to count on that night in and night out, I just don't think you can do it. I'm kind of ready for him to move on because I think as good of a player as he is, I think he's holding uh, the program back a little bit. I think, you know, and and as you get to this point, the kid's a senior. Uh, you know, there's only so much that Wojo can do. You, you've empowered him for three years to play this way. You can't. You can't shorten the leash now, mm-hmm. um, and if you did now, you've kind of built your team this way to kind of function around him, kind of similar to what Bucky did with Hap last year, where it's hard to change that in mid-stride. Um, I just look at it like there's a very good chance he comes out of his college career as the all-time leading scorer at Marquette, which he is. Um, pretty much every game now he's moving up the ranks. He's probably going to be a top 25 all-time scorer in college basketball history, but there's a really good chance he's going to come come out of his career with not having an NCAA tournament win, and that that's and and that's kind of the gist of it. It's like great individual player, team's not winning. Um, I kind of tend to lean toward like. I want some. I want some tournament wins. I want. Right. I want to compete for the conference. Mm-hmm. It's really fun on the nights when you're scoring fifty and you're making eleven threes. That's great. But you don't do that night but in and night out. You, nobody can. It, you know, it's 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 an impossibility. So, all right, let's move to the pro game as the Bucks are coming back from Paris and a um, little bit of a slow start against Charlotte. I yeah. listened to a little bit of the game. Um, came back. They got the victory. beignets. Is that what they have over there, <laughs> beignets or whatever? Sure, that's what it is. I think that's what Ted was talking about, the, gobbling on. There was a lot of different photos. It looks like they got the most out of their trip. A lot of pictures of food. Saw some fun things. Yep. Yes, a lot of pictures of food. Yep. Um, so they beat the Hornets. They're still first in the East. They're 40-6. and six. And now the schedule, does the schedule start to compact a little bit more now that football is done? I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but I, I started filling out our 
our sports broadcast schedule for March, and it seems like a lot of the time they've got three, sometimes four games within a seven-day stretch, and that seems a little bit closer than it was at the first half of the well, season. Well, you've got they're they're forty-six games in, so they've got thirty-six left, and the season ends the second week of April. So what's that give us? About ten weeks, eleven weeks, and you're gonna ha- and you got a week off for the All Star break. So you got about ten weeks. So yeah, I mean you're gonna be in that three, four a week range. Um, I'm not sure if it picks up much uh, with with the uh, NFL being done. I think there's, you know, you'll see more Sunday NBA games now that football's mm-hmm. over because they got to fill that time slot. And, and and I think the Bucks are on a couple of those Sunday afternoon games, which is always uh, cool to see, but. Um, yeah, so like you said, slow start, uh, against the Hornets. Um, I felt really bad for Robin Lopez. I just did. I, I, I not, 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 not being able to make the trip cause he, cause he caught the Packer swine flu. And, and he was, he was tweeting about, Hey, yeah, I'm back uh, yeah. here, assholes, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Nobody was talking about no. him. They weren't even paying him no mind. And yeah, I felt bad. I mean that like, you know, you, as an NBA player, you don't get to play internationally very often and to be, have been able to do that on the team's dime with with your brother and and your friends I don't and, know does playing in Mexico City do anything for you no no I mean, not, you, nothing in Mexico does anything for me that's so. what I mean they've had two games down there already this year but it's like if you say hey we're going to Mexico City to play are you excited about no, that no but you know the <laughs> you go Bucks, to Paris okay the, the Bucks played in uh London a couple years ago if I remember right and now they've played in Paris so that's obviously a thing that they've done, and I and it it makes sense for the smaller market teams to do that. I think Charlotte um, technically was the, the home, home team, team yes. so they they gave up um, some revenue to do that. But um, the exposure for the league, I'm sure, I'm sure the league makes it worth their while. And then you know, of course, you know, anytime Michael Jordan goes anywhere, um, that's a big deal. And it was kind of funny. He was they had a press conference with him and him and Lazary and. You know, Lazary was kind of like trying to show him up a little bit by speaking French, and you know, and then they went to Michael, and it's just like, yeah, it's, it's Michael Jordan, man. Like it, he could speak whatever. He can talk with his feet. It doesn't matter. It's Michael Jordan, <laughs> right? You know, why would you even try to? show I don't him know. That? I, I, it's just what these rich guys do. I they know. like to tell everybody, you know, hey, I'm smart too. It's like, yeah, but this dude's the that, best that's, ever. That's what, the what, goat, man. Right. That's what, the goat. What are you doing? That's his airness. I'd be somebody in Lazarus' team just being like, give him the, <laughs> give, give him the throat sign, like, hey, let's not, uh, yeah. let's not do that. So three games this week, um, all at home. Uh, Washington Tuesday, uh, Denver Friday, and and the Suns on Sunday. Um, certainly, two of the three are are definite. Should be relatively easy wins, as as easy as you can say in the NBA. Friday night against Denver should be a really interesting game. Um, Denver's a very good team. Um, Nikola Jokic is one of the best players and one of the best centers in the league, so that that'll be a fun one to watch. Um, but you know, other than that, you're kind of we're getting towards the All Star game. They they announced the captains right. Thursday. Giannis is the captain. Uh, him and LeBron again. Giannis already came out and said his first two picks because you have to pick starters first and then you right. go to the reserves. Correct. He said his first two reserve picks would be Middleton and Bledsoe, assuming that they both made it. Um. I listened to a podcast the other day with John. John Horst was on the Woj podcast. He was politicking pretty hard for Lopez as as the best defensive center in the league. Um, I think Middleton is in for sure. His numbers are actually better across the board than last year. Um, 
if you go by his per 36 minutes, which is kind of the benchmark, um, he's he's up there with some of the best players in the league. Um, Giannis and him are only playing about 29 or 30 minutes, so their stats are actually a little brought down, which probably hurts them a little bit in these conversations. Bledsoe, I think, would have made it if he hadn't gotten hurt and missed. I think he missed like eight or ten games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's tough to overcome. And Lopez, I mean, he he's certainly deserving, but, you know, is, that's one of those things that doesn't necessarily get a lot of so recognition. I, I was just going to say, is the best defensive center a sexy thing to talk about in the All-Star game when I you're think, close to breaking 200 points? I think if he was shooting the way he did last year, this year, along with his defense, I think he'd make it. Okay. But the fact that his three-point shooting has taken a pretty pretty significant dip compared to where he was last year, I, I would be surprised. I mean, Rudy Gobert for the Jazz has been the best defensive player in the league for the last several years, and, I, I mean, he might have made one all-star team. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of tough to crack through with that. But, you know, hey, having Giannis is awesome. Having two bucks is, is really great. Anything more than that to me would be gravy. So, uh, whatever. Uh, just just keep winning regular season games and, and be healthy for the playoffs. That's really all I care about. All right, let's switch to Major League Baseball. Um, did you usually go to the Brewers yeah. on deck event? Two did- years in a row now, I have not. Okay. And is there is it did there just too many people? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like anything else. Anytime anybody gets good, then all the bandwagoners come. And it, it you know, the last couple of years, they've sold it out early. Right. Um, it has turned into a little bit of a circus. It's, you know, and, and look, at the end of the day, it's a kid's fest. It's really for kids and, Pictures, and, and autographs, that's fine. All that stuff, yeah. You know, 95% of the stuff that's going on over there is not really geared towards you and I anyway. It's, you know, buying a grab bag, trying to get, you know, a picture with Bernie Brewer or Jerry Augustine. And it's like, that's cool. Uh, the only thing really left that I would want to do over there would be to maybe get a Yelich autograph. I talked but, to one of my buddies who was there, and he was signing until eleven, I think. And for a, they usually he, do a lottery type thing. He had to, the longest line there, and yeah. not every. I mean, obviously, not everybody got to do it. I mean, everybody was there first and foremost for Yelich, yes. which is not surprising. Right. Um, you had some good news saying that he was at 100%. He finished rehab a couple of weeks ago for that fractured kneecap. Um, and uh, I guess things that usually have coincided, I don't know how many seasons it's been, the last couple, mm-hmm. you usually have some sort of a trade or a free agent signing or something that is run in parallel with the, the, the winter. But I guess to me, the way things have gone – I'm not really surprised you didn't get one this year. No, I no, I there wasn't really <laughs> there wasn't really anything to say. Um, yeah, I mean the yeah the Yelich Kane one a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, might have been Grandall last year. Mm-hmm. Couple of, then before that, I think it was Garza. Boy, that really got everybody Funk. fired up. Yeah. But no, this has been a well documented strange off season. Um, you know, I thought that the I read a lot of the comments. I watched some video online, and I read the, the comments in the Journal Sentinel today from uh, mostly Atanasio and Braun. I mean, Atanasio saying they're going to be good. He threw out the Philadelphia 76er Joel Embiid line of trust the process. Uh, he basically said, we lean on our computer guys in our analytics to build our team. Um, whether that's right or wrong is up for debate. 
I think I've made my position pretty clear on that. I I just don't think that I think it can be a part of it. I don't think it can be the majority of most it. teams lead on their checkbook. Yeah. Um. So you know, they're I think it said their payroll is like ninety five, ninety eight million this year. Last year it was over one hundred and twenty. Mm-hmm. So it's significantly lower. Yeah. And 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 I agree. And I get what he said. They want to leave themselves flexibility. For if in July or August they want to make a move, they can. I I understand that. I have no problem with that. But I don't know. Um, the proof will be in the in the pudding. We'll we'll see. Are they going to be close enough at that time? Do you think where one move or two moves? Not if the Reds keep signing all these guys, we'll put them over <laughs> the top. That's exactly. I mean, they went out and they signed Castellano, uh, Castellanos today to mm-hmm. a boatload of money, which is what second to th- I think only the Moose signing that they just had a month ago. Yeah. So and I mean, then I heard a rumor today that they are trying to get into the Francisco yes. Lindor sweepstakes. Saw that too. Dangling, uh, uh, I think it's Suarez, their shortstop, and, and an outfielder and some other stuff uh, to try to really go for it this year. I mean, you know, and I get it. Votto's getting up there in years. Um, you know, they haven't made the playoffs in several years, so they, they're trying to make a move. Well, I don't know if it's the Castellanos contract or the Moose contract, but they gave opt-outs after the first two years mm-hmm. of that deal. And and I read somebody who follows baseball pretty good is that basically a lot of this is going to be back-end money, whereas you're going for it right now. And if it doesn't work, then you can get rid of all these guys and you're no worse for the wear, and then you just got to build up again. Well, and I think that's the way you're going to start seeing a lot of these contracts go. I mean, the back-end money and then even deferred money. I mean, the Brewers are going to be paying Braun for several years after he retires. You know, I mean, Jesus, the Mets have been paying Bobby Bonilla Bonilla for like 25 years. Love Bobby Bonilla Day. So, you know, that's that's not certainly a new thing. I thought Braun's comments were very interesting. Um, you know, the, the topic of retirement came up, of sure. course, and, you know, Braun is not, he's never shied away from, um, his baseball mortality. Uh, he knows that it's, it's towards the end of the road. Um, you know, he didn't rule out that this would be his last year. I would be surprised if it is. Um, I think that if he, if, if they're in the mix and if he has a decent year, and I think if he and the Brewers determine that he can play first base well and help and help and not hurt you, I could see him coming back next year. You know, obviously at a significantly reduced number. Um, I do not think he will ever play in another in another the jersey team, team for a DH role I, I or just, anything like that. I don't think All so. Right. I mean, he said his wife's got another. They got another kid on the way. Um, you know, he's a California dude. I, I just don't I don't see him going and if he were to play for anybody else I think it would be out there and I just don't see him being on the A's you know or the Angels um, and I don't think Atanasio wants that either I think I think it would be you know whether you like Braun or not I think it would be kind of a cool thing in this day and age to have a guy play a 15 year career with one franchise. Um, but I think he'll be back next year. I really do. I think the Brewers are going to be. I think they're going to be in the mix because I think damn near now everybody's in the mix, okay. unless you're trying not to be. I guess my my problem with the with the Antanasio or the Stearns comments was about building depth. Well, we've got a lot of position battles, and it's going to be very competitive at several positions. But when you look at the guys that are competing, 
they're just not all that great. I mean, does being competitive at those positions propel you to have a good season because you, you're constantly trying to keep your game up but you're not going to play? Can you raise your the, the level of your game that far that it'll keep you in the lineup, or is it just going to be one of those things where it doesn't really matter, you're going to put up the numbers you've been putting up, and if they're not good enough, they're going to sit your ass on the bench. Right. And now I saw that the guy that's supposed to be... Um, oh, Urias, yes, yeah, yes. He, he came up, they brought him up because he hurt his his wrist in, in winter ball, and he's supposed to be, from all I've heard, beating Arcia out for shortstop. I think that's their hope. Right. Yeah. And now they don't know what's wrong with his wrist. Right. They, they brought him up to... So, I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. It's... I'm just not really excited about this, and and I still saw somebody today say that their 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 number was 83 and a half wins, mm. something like that. Yep, yep. And if you're gonna go out to Vegas and 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 March Madness, I may send some money with you, and I may have you bet the under for me, and just see what I can get on a return well, because 80, I don't think they're getting there. 83 and a half wins does not make the playoffs last year. They won 89 last year and were the second wild card. Right. So you're significantly out of it the last two weeks, basically, of mm-hmm. the season, which would be a bad thing if that was the case. So I mean, yeah, you're over 500, but okay, yeah, I, you're over five. You're over 500, but you've got teams like Pittsburgh who has a 58 million dollar payroll right. who's not trying. You have the Florida Marlins who are not trying. You have. Um, the Rockies who are looking to shed payroll, and if they can find a taker for Arenado during the season, he goes somewhere they in the will. division. I will flip shit. Um, so I don't know. It, right. I, I think the biggest problem and the biggest hurdle for me to get over mentally is you lost the best catcher in baseball, and you lost an all-star third baseman. And you've replaced him with Eric Sogard and a guy I've never heard of. And you're trying to tell me that there's not going to be a drop-off. I just I just have this mental block that I can't I can't get around that. To me, that's not that's not one and one equals two. That that's like one and one equals nine. I can't like there's no possible way that the I don't care if the combination is Sogard, Healy, Shit, you throw Braun back over there, you put Urias there, that they're going to have the production that Mustakas did. And same thing with this this Navarez or whatever that they got and, and Manny Pena. I'm just not seeing the production there. Maybe I'm a hundred percent wrong and this Navarez guy comes over and he's the new Molina. I don't know. I highly doubt it. Um but I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But it starts in about two and a half weeks. I know. I know. All right. Um, let's go to the main story that uh, happened yesterday morning. I got a text while I was just laying in bed watching some Netflix, and and I didn't think much of it, and I just thought it was my cousin Michael fucking with me and just saying, Kobe Bryant just died in a helicopter crash. And I went, he's just messing with me. And then Bob Mickelson texts me, and he says, Hoy, horrible story about Kobe. And I went, Okay, now I might be wanting to look into this. And, you know, you, you you try early to get on a lot of the networks and nobody's breaking in with anything. There's nothing up online yet. I mean, Twitter is a buzz, but 
people are are citing sources which are incorrect. They're saying everybody's on board and then nobody's on board and a whole bunch of different things that, you know, the total is wrong. Um, and then TMZ reports it without letting anybody's family know first. Um, and it's just a shit show for a, probably about six hours from when it happens. And then you start hearing accurate details because... You know, the sheriff's, L.A. County Sheriff's Department starts and the NTSB is is holding actual press conferences and telling people uh, what's up. And um, and then you get the outpouring from pretty much the far corners of the world about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and th- there was a lot that was said that was good. There was some said that was bad. There's people who don't know how to handle this sort of thing. And... It's more of that when something like this happens, I tend to want to stay away, but I can't because I need to know what people are saying and why they're saying it. But I'd rather just I'd, I'd rather just watch the actual news and get away from the commentary from the whole thing. Well, unfortunately, but that's just me. yeah, unfortunately, you can't trust the news because most of it is trash. Um, they did a, I mean, ABC is reporting that right. all five of his children are on board with him. I mean, like we're in the who the hell is your source for that? And, 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 uh, like, and you got I, I well, just I don't understand. I don't understand how you you run with something like that. I, I just what kind of a buffoon gives the go ahead to do that? Weekend editors who have very very well, low experience and want to make a splash. And, and that's another thing. So I I heard I got a text from a friend and she said, "Did you get an alert on your phone that Kobe Bryant was in a helicopter accident?" And I was like, "What? No." So I, I thought, you know, I'm like, no. So I went on Twitter, and I couldn't find anything. And I went, so I was over at my parents, and I'm like, turn on ESPN, Pro Bowl. I'm like, turn on NBA TV, nothing. I'm like, what the hell? So then I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm refreshing, 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 and then I see Woj tweet something, and then I knew it was real. Um, And then, yeah, it comes out that that trash rag TMZ you know, because apparently they think they get points for being first. That's where we are, though. Um, That's what everybody does decides now. Decides to break the news before Kobe's family even hears yep. it. I heard a report that one of Kobe's daughters, like, went into, like, a asthmatic respiratory shock when she saw it on TV or something or saw it online. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, and then, I, and then the worst thing that I saw was some stupid woman feminist bitch from the Washington Post had to immediately after it was announced that he died posted on Twitter the article of his rape case and then she got 10,000 hate emails and then she went on and tried to play the victim which is what these people do now but uh but anyway um I was just trying to think you know I this hit me a lot harder than I thought it would um I was texting with a buddy today, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, you know, I don't have any kids. Um, I, I mean, I could imagine how awful it would be to lose a kid, and I'm sure in the very, very, very brief seconds that I think they had to know what the hell was happening, um, to think that Kobe was holding on to his daughter, that's that's tough. Um, but Your reaction, by the way, and how you say that it has hit you harder than you expected. I've seen people say that a lot about this. Yeah, and it's weird. Uh, There's really nothing 
in our lifetime, I don't think to compare it to. Um, I mean, we've had famous people die. You know, Michael Jackson when he died, Prince when he died. Yeah, it was unexpected. Um, but they were older. They their careers had kind of come and gone. And Kobe was retired from basketball, but he kind of was just starting this whole second life of, you know, movies and basketball academies and things of that nature. Um, so, it, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind was Roberto Clemente, um, you know, who who died tragically. He got his 3,000th hit the last day of the season and never played baseball again because he died. Thurman Munson, of course, with the Yankees, died in a plane crash. Um but this one was just really, it was hard to even really wrap your head around it because I had just seen him the night before at a game. LeBron broke his scoring record the mm-hmm. night before and sat in the locker room and talked about Kobe for like 20 minutes. And then 12 hours later, he's dead? Like, I don't know. It was just, it was hard to come to grips with. And, and I think, you know, like a Michael Jackson... This dude is like, this is worldwide. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the most popular athlete, not basketball player, athlete in China. I mean, you're talking about a billion people over there. Um, the Kobe fans in this country are lunatics. I mean, like, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, and I mean that in, in a, a good, good way. way. Like, right. they are. They were pissed off when LeBron came to L.A. They are, they you know, it, it's basically been a, an us versus them mentality with Kobe. Like, that's their guy, ride or die. Like, you know, even Magic Johnson, who is the greatest and most famous Laker, in my opinion, has said Kobe's the greatest Laker came out of all time. That. Yep, that's right. And he said that well before mm-hmm. this happened. Um so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess all you do now is you kind of think back about some of your memories of him. I mean, do you, do you I mean, does anything pop into your head? That- I mean, not an NBA guy. I mean, obviously scoring, what was it, 81? I mean, I saw I saw bits and pieces of that game when people are saying, go turn on, you know, whatever game, because they had jumped on it, I think, when when it was happening, and I, I had flipped it on, and it was just staring, like going, what is happening? Yeah. You know, what? how is this even possible? Right. Um, but he's one of those guys, and being not not being a basketball guy, but he, I was when I was growing up because it was, as you know, when you're with friends that like a particular thing, you tend to gravitate towards that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've talked about the posters that you have down here. I had a couple of these. I had, you know, the Jordan with the graffiti wall in back, mm-hmm. sure. you know, the dunk thing. I had a Dream Team poster. I watched NBA basketball growing up. I turned on GN, and if Jordan was playing, I would watch mm-hmm. because I knew how good that was. And when I, when I wasn't watching the Bucks, if I somehow stumbled across a Laker game and he was playing, I would pause for a little bit because I knew how good he was. And it's not that I liked him. I mean, you know, you you brought up earlier the the thing in Colorado. That's like I saw yesterday. Somebody had said a perfect player and an imperfect human being. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect dichotomy for that for for description yeah, for him. Yeah. 
there was feelings of conflict there where it's like, I wasn't hate watching, but I was like, I was appreciating his athleticism at the time, but I was still going like, man, I can't, you know, I can't get that out of my head. But you knew when you watched, you were watching something good. And that is basically all you want from a fan who's looking at an athlete. If you can't turn off the person that you're watching, you know you got something good. Right. And I, and I was never a Kobe fan um, at all. I actually, I only saw him in person once, and I believe it was in 2011, I want to say, 2011, 2012, something like that. So I only saw him in person once, and it was later in his career. Um, but, you know, for me, there's I have three memories of Kobe that stick out. Okay. Um, you know, the first one is uh, in 2000 against the Blazers in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, him throwing that lob to Shaq. Yes. Everybody's always seen that replay. That was yep. kind of the first. That was when they finally got over the hump and got into the finals. Um, the second moment was in that finals in Game 4. Uh, Lakers were up 2-1 to one on the road against the Pacers. Shaq fouls out. Uh, Kobe... Um, I think on a on a really really badly sprained ankle, um, kind of wills them to a victory in overtime. I believe he's twenty one years old at the time, uh, and that was kind of that was kind of his breakout moment as an individual star. And then the last one for me, which is really my favorite, was uh, the 08 Olympic team, the Redeem team. Um, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was um, I believe the second greatest basketball team ever assembled. Um, they played what I think is the greatest non-NBA game ever played uh, in the gold medal game that year against Spain. Spain had the Gasol brothers in their prime, Ricky Rubio, um, several other NBA guys. Um, I, I would love to find a way to be able to get my hands on that game. Um, but Kobe, down the stretch of that game, he just got into fuck you mode. And it was like, you know, he, I mean, Mamba mentality, they talk about it all the time, and it's mm-hmm. about, you know, that's really about putting in that work. And he would get into those situations, and there's just not a lot you could do. Right. You know, um, it was very Jordan-like. I mean, he's the closest thing to Michael Jordan we've ever seen and probably will ever see because he really tried to mimic him in a lot of ways. So, um yeah, I've just been struck by how this current generation, the outpouring of love yep. <coughs> that he's gotten. And, you know, it really makes you think about it because he came into the league in 97. And that was 23 years ago. A good majority of this league grew up when Kobe was the guy. Mm-hmm. They never saw Michael Jordan in right. person. And by the time LeBron came around, they already loved Kobe. You know, so... um you got guys like Trey Young and and Brandon Ingram and Giannis and these young, early mid twenties guys that Kobe was working with and and was receptive to them calling him and getting advice and um it's it's a pretty cool legacy you know I to to be I guess you know as a as an athlete I think the ultimate respect is the respect and admiration of your contemporaries you know piss on what the media says and and even to a large extent fan bases but if the guys that you compete with respect you and and admire you that's that's kind of all you can ask for as a player I saw a national headline or on the bottom line we were watching sports center this morning they had magic comments and I think one of the things that he mentioned was 
that he continually talked about how impressed he was with Giannis's game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of a cool thing. And then I read today that Giannis has deactivated all of his social media stuff. Oh. Like like you can't find it. And I don't know whether it's got to be related Probably. in some portion. I, I just kind of be curious about why maybe he, because he doesn't want to talk about it, maybe he doesn't want to hear about it, he's not reminded he's this part of the grieving process. I don't know. Um, but I just thought that was cool to see that, you know, one thing that he mentioned, and I know that uh, Giannis had worked with him a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know how how recently in off seasons or whatever, but I know he did early on mm-hmm. uh, at, at least for a little bit, which I thought was cool. But I mean, when you see guys like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, um, Tim Duncan, I mean, when you see these guys like balling, doc rivers couldn't talk for two minutes. Yeah. I watched that live. That was tough. Yeah. Yeah. That was tough. Um, so when you see that, I mean, you know that, yeah, he was a great player, but it's more than that. And mm-hmm. and then you throw in the other eight people on board, um, three of them kids, one of them his own kid that was, you know, and, and in this social media age now, I mean, not only did, did we watch Kobe grow up, we watched his kids grow up. You know, when he's winning titles, they're there. When he goes to Laker games and he's sitting courtside, she's sitting with him. You know, he's doing Instagram videos and, and Twitter videos of, of basketball stuff, and she's on it, and, and you well, know, that just kind of adds to the sadness One for of me. the things that has been played a lot is the Kimmel clip. Yeah. Talk, talking about his yeah. daughter, about where, you know, well, how are you going to maintain your whatever? You don't have a son. You got to go have a son. And they say this in front of the in front of the daughter, and the daughter just interjects herself. I got you. Yeah. I'm going to go to the WNBN. I'm going to tear it up. I got the name. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And I thought that was cool, and that makes it a little bit more of a of a, you I, I referenced your your tweet this morning uh in my commentary is that you had said last night the words tragic and tragedy are thrown around way too loosely these days but that's that fits the bill here and i think you're you absolutely hit it on the head yeah and i'm you know i'm obviously you're you're sad for the families and and you know there's nothing you can say nope. but i'm i'm sad for everybody else you know, because he was just entering that that honeymoon phase of he was still the man, and everybody's you know we all remember what it was like. So you wax nostalgic about that, and he was gonna go into the hall of fame. He's still gonna go into the hall of fame well, this yeah. year. Unfortunately, it's gonna be posthumously. He would have been going in with Tim Duncan and with Kevin Garnett as one of the great classes ever. That's gonna be a sad um, night. When oh, that it's happens. gonna be rough. And uh, you know we're we're gonna miss that the basketball community lost a brilliant mind, you know mm-hmm. whether it was teaching young kids or helping out current guys to to lose that it's just it's sad all the way around it sucks. Um, they've already postponed tomorrow's Laker Clipper game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very surprised that they played all the games yesterday. Did they play all of them? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was a little uh, the early afternoon ones there was really anything you could no, do about uh-uh. that a couple of those night ones i thought maybe but you know what sometimes it's the best escape and you know and like a lot of those players said i think carmelo anthony said it like you know if he would have told me get your ass out there and play right that's right because that's just the kind of guy he was mm-hmm. so all right anything else to add uh add after that no on that? i think that pretty much He's covers good. it yeah 
All right. Do you want to end with this, or should we end on a, should we end on 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 the Kobe note? Do you well, wanna, do, we could end on this. I mean, it's take a touch to the it's, negative. It's kind of funny in a way. It's just embarrassing. It, um, we saw our first two parent slash fan ejection. Yep. Uh, Saturday afternoon at the uh, Verona versus Craig Girls game, we had a parent ejected, and then we had a. Well, he's not a no. current student, but he's a college student that was ejected as well. Yep. Um, for hollering at the ref pretty much nonstop the whole game. Um, I told you I kind of knew something was coming. I was watching uh, a couple of the referees, and there was a couple of times when they were looking up in the stands, and it was it, I think they were trying to figure out who the mouth was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just, you know. Which I thought was funny because once the parent was ejected, the Verona people to the left, one guy in particular, pointed somebody else mm-hmm. out. Which I don't understand. If there's if there's somebody on the opposing side that's barking at the officials, why do you care so much if they're not talking to you? You know what I mean? That that to me is kind of sticking your nose over there. Like you're telling me he should be ejected when you're over on the other side. Yeah. But if he's not talking to you, then why do you care? You know what I mean? I, I just thought that I, I'm, yeah, I'm I don't sure know. there's more to it. I don't it. know if maybe he thought they thought they were going to get something out of it, like a technical. I don't know. Um, but, you know. This seems to have been em- building to us. Yeah, it's you know? just it's embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing to me as somebody who you and I, when we're doing these games, we're representing obviously the radio station, yep. but I feel like we're representing these schools as well. Absolutely. Craig and Parker are our home yeah. schools. And so when you've got fans acting that way, it reflects poorly on everybody. It reflects poorly on the staff, the coaches, the 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 three guys at the scorer's table, anybody that's affiliated with the school and the program, it reflects poorly on. I remember hearing a couple of years ago, that they did a sportsmanship um, ranking in the Big Eight, and Jane's the two Janesville schools were the two worst ranked schools, and I'm not surprised. And the thing that kills me is these teams aren't even any good. <laughs> I mean, like the other night in the Verona Craig game, you've got like fourth place Craig, who's like nine and five, playing seventh place Verona, who's like five and nine. Why are, are we? What, what, why are we? What are we doing here? What are mm-hmm. we doing here? This isn't like a con- if this is a conference championship deciding game. I get it. This is a sectional game. I get it. Emotions are high. Your career could end in the next five minutes. This is a regular season game that really doesn't mean much in the middle of January, and you got people getting kicked out. And I I don't think there was any swearing. I couldn't fully make it out. Me neither. But it was just a lot it, of continuous, it was continuous re- complaints. Yes. To and to me, this goes back to kind of the thing what where what struck me um, as more difficult dealing with the news about Kobe and his daughter being a parent. I'm going to be a parent. I don't know that my kids are going to be athletes. They right now don't really seem to be athletically inclined to really like sports. We'll see if that changes, whether they're, you know, they see some of their friends get involved and then they want to jump into. But going to these games now that I have, you know, when I was in college, I'd come back and watch football. I'd go to an occasional basketball game. But now that we go to so many games during a year as part of our job, you see the behavior and what it's gotten to be. And I remember even when when I was a player, 
and I saw bad parenting behavior on our side and on the other side. Um, and I didn't play at a high level like you did where I could see that. Football, you don't see it. Track, you don't see it. There's nothing to get out, you know, outraged about. I was going to ask you about that. Football, you're just too far away, no, right? You, you don't hear anything. You don't see anything. Yeah. It's, it, you know, whatever. But I can remember specifically in freshman basketball a couple of times where some of the parents of our players got riled up and the game had to be stopped. Nobody was booted. Nobody, you know, fought anybody or whatever. But there were some arguments going on, and... I don't remember how I felt at the time, but now I feel as a parent what that would do to me if my kid was out there having the entire gym turned on me in a negative fashion, looking at me saying, this person is a buffoon and needs to get out of here. That doesn't do my kid any good. No. I can deal with, with with myself and I can handle the criticism and I will, you know, talk to anybody that needs to if, if, if that comes to it, but I don't want that reflective on my child. And I think that's the problem that a lot of these parents don't understand is that your kids about 50 feet away from you in a whole gym and they're looking up at you and everybody else is looking at you because of what you're doing. And right. it's not positive. And it's, you know, and in this case, it was yelling at the refs um, with some of the other programs that were involved in it's other stuff. Uh, but it's it's bad parent behavior. Most of the time, it's not the kid. I no. just I just wonder, like you know, what's that conversation like at home right. after the game? I mean, it, 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 do you laugh at all? I, I know what it would be at my house. Don't come. It would be if you're to do that. It would be keep your ass out of here. Knock that shit off. Mm -hmm. That'd be coming from me. Right. Knock that shit off. Um. I don't know if a girl can do that to her dad. I don't know. I suppose every relationship is different. Um, when it happened, I was watching some of the kids on the floor, and they didn't really seem to be phased by it. I saw some laughing and joking around. I, But I don't know what to make of that. Maybe that's just trying to cover. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that would... Uh, there would have been a little bit of a war in the Saunders house if if one of my parents had acted that way because it it like I said it, it not only reflects on you but it reflects on your team and your coach and your school and you know that's just not good for anybody. And I guess if you're and and we've heard about parent stories and talking with coaches, you know, disagreeing with coaches, mm -hmm. criticizing coaches. That's part of the deal. Oh, yep. Oh, that's no. part of the deal. It, it, it totally is. There some of this other shit that we've heard this year in the last couple of years is kind of beyond the pale for me. And it's stuff that you know I played three years at a varsity at Craig and four years at Whitewater, and I never, never heard or saw anything even remotely close to some of the stuff we've seen the last few years. So I guess if you're a coach or, or in the AD who had to, you know, get into the situation and, and sit down after the ejections happen, I guess I don't know whether I'd send out an email or hold a meeting or maybe this should have been taken care of at the beginning of the season. If you're looking for a 50-50 call that goes either way and your side of the stands have been on the officials relentlessly and you've had two people booted. I've tried to make this point many times. What do you think is going to happen? What good are you doing, not only as, as a PR thing for your kid on the court, but what are you doing to the team's chances of maybe getting that call that 
you know, might go either way. You think the ref in a split second is going to give that to you? I had that conversation with my college coach. Um, you know, you, you, you ain't helping, man. Screaming and hollering and acting like a child. These referees are human beings, man. They're Yeah, if it's close... I'm going to give it to the guy that's not treated me like garbage. Right. That's just human nature, I think. I mean, I, I the one question I guess I have is can, you know, is there a way, and, I, and I'm not advocating for this, so anybody listening don't say I'm advocating for it, but <laughs> is there a way to ban the, ban the parent? I'm sure there is. I mean, if it's repeated problems, where's the line? That's what I would be curious about. Where's the line? Mm-hmm. Is it two ejections, three ejections? Is it up? Is it AD discretion? Um, because frankly, and I and I get it to a point. A lot of these athletic directors they don't want to deal with this. Of course they not. Don't, they don't want to pick fights with these parents because they're the one that has to go kick the guy out, and then the guy's looking at them like, "Really, man? You're supposed to be on my side." Oh no! But it is. That's not how it is. No. It 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 puts these administrators in a really bad position. Um. But, you know, do you also then want to keep the fight going by drawing the red line and saying you're done? You can't come here anymore? I don't know. Somebody had said um, at the uh, when it had just was fresh and what it, and it was still kind of going on and nothing had been resolved yet, I heard somebody over our shoulder say, let's just boot everybody out and let them play in an empty gym. Well, that's... That's and the I, next step. And then I I wondered aloud on the air, do we have to leave? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the next step, as sad as it is. Uh, but people just can't behave themselves. Uh, you know, everybody thinks their kid's a star and is going to play in college and be a professional. It's, it's just not, man. No. Nope. Unless you're really, really special or freakishly gifted in, in speed, height, whatever. Ain't gonna happen. Well, and you and I got a wake up call to the uh, to the parent thing. I think when we started seeing some of those JV games. Oh my god! Right when we started, and that was JV. Yeah, when you got when mom's losing her shit <laughs> in a JV girls game when you're down forty. I I think you need to reassess life a little bit. All right, that was longer than we expected. Yeah. Uh, for the intentional follow, we appreciate you listening, uh, subscribing, downloading. Uh, again, tell your friends. We will have a post-Super Bowl edition uh, next week. Yeah, and if you don't want to listen to us call a game, come on over to the game and witness the shit show for yourself. Please. We can definitely point you the way. It's very, very simple. You could both get at us on Twitter or Facebook. We can be found. That's right. So holler at us if you want. And if you want us to talk about something, be my guest because we're going to need content here uh, going forward for the uh, early part of the spring and then the uh, for the summer when there's nothing to talk about. So we'll try and find some stuff, but we appreciate uh, you that does listen. So thank you for tuning in. I'm Josh. Dan. And we will talk to you next time. Go Bucks.